Chapter Eight, Book Five of Amelia, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. Amelia, Volume Two, by Henry Fielding. Chapter Eight, The Heroic Behavior of Coronel Bath. Booth went this morning to pay a second visit to the colonel, where he found Colonel James. Both the colonel and the lieutenant appeared a little shocked at their first meeting, but matters were soon cleared up, for the former presently advanced to the latter, shook him heartily by the hand, and said, Mr. Booth, I am ashamed to see you, for I have injured you, and I heartily ask your pardon. I am now perfectly convinced that what I hinted to my brother, and which I find had liked to have produced such fatal consequences, was entirely groundless. If you will be contented with my asking your pardon, and spare me the disagreeable remembrance of what led me into my error, I shall esteem it as the highest obligation. Booth answered, As to what regards yourself, my dear colonel, I am abundantly satisfied, but, as I am convinced some rascal hath been my enemy with you in the cruelest manner, I hope you will not deny me the opportunity of kicking him to the world. By all the dignity of man, cries Colonel Bath, the boy speaks with spirit, and his request is reasonable. Colonel James hesitated a moment, and then whispered, Booth, that he would give him all the satisfaction imaginable concerning the whole affair when they were alone together. Upon which, Booth, addressing himself to Colonel Bath, the discourse turned on other matters during the remainder of the visit, which was but short, and then both went away together, leaving Colonel Bath as well as it was possible to expect, more to the satisfaction of Booth than of colonel james who would not have been displeased if his wound had been more dangerous for he was grown somewhat weary of a disposition that he rather called captious than heroic and which as he every day more and more hated his wife he apprehended might some time or other give him some trouble for bath was the most affectionate of brothers and had often swore in the presence of james that he would eat any man alive who should use his sister ill colonel bath was well satisfied that his brother and lieutenant were gone out with a design of tilting from which he offered not a syllable to dissuade them as he was convinced it was right and that booth could not in honour take nor the colonel give any less satisfaction when they had been gone therefore about half an hour he rang his bell to inquire if there was any news of his brother a question which he repeated every ten minutes for the space of two hours when having heard nothing of him he began to conclude that both were killed on the spot while he was in this state of anxiety his sister came to see him for notwithstanding his desire of keeping it a secret, the jewel had blazed all over the town. 
after receiving some kind of congratulations on his safety and some unkind hints concerning the warmth of his temper the colonel asked her when she had seen her husband she answered not that morning he then communicated to her his suspicion told her he was convinced his brother had drawn his sword that day and that as neither of them had heard anything from him he began to apprehend the worst that could happen neither miss bellamy nor mrs giver were ever in a greater consternation on the stage than now appeared in the countenance of mrs james good heavens brother cries she what do you tell me you have frightened me to death let your man get me a glass of water immediately if you have not a mind to see me die before your face when where how was this quarrel why did you not prevent it if you knew of it is it not enough to be every day tormenting me with hazard in your own life but must you bring the life of one who you know must be and ought to be so much the dearest of all to me into danger take your sword brother take your sword and plunge it into my bosom it would be kinder of you than to fill it with such dreads and terrors here she swallowed the glass of water and then threw herself back in her chair as if she had intended to faint away perhaps if she had so the colonel would have lent her no assistance for she had hurt him more than by ten thousand staffs he sat erect in his chair with his eyebrows knit his forehead wrinkled his eyes flashing fire his teeth grating against each other and breathing horror all around him in this posture he sat for some time silent casting disdainful looks at his sister at last his voice found its way through a passion which had almost choked him and he cried out sister what have i done to deserve the opinion you express of me which of my actions hath made you conclude that i am a rascal and a coward look at that poor sword which never woman yet saw but in its sheath what had that done to merit your desire that it should be contaminated with the blood of a woman alas brother cried she i know not what you say you are desirous i believe to terrify me out of the little senses i have left what can i have said in the agonies of grief into which you threw me to deserve this passion what have you said answered the colonel you have said that which if a man had spoken nay damn me if he had but hinted that he durst even think i would have made him eat my sword by all the dignity of a man i would have crumbled his soul into powder but i consider that the words were spoken by a woman and i am calm again consider my dear that you are my sister and behave yourself with more spirit i have only mentioned to you my surmise it may not have happened as i suspect but let what will have happened you will have the comfort that your husband had behaved himself with becoming dignity and lies in the bed of honour talk not to me of such comfort replied the lady it is a loss i cannot survive but why do i sit here lamenting myself i will go this instant and know the worst of my fate 
if my trembling limbs will carry me to my coach good morrow dear brother whatever becomes of me i am glad to find you out of danger the colonel paid his proper compliments and she then left the room but returned instantly back saying brother i must beg the favour of you to let your footman step to my mantua maker i am sure it is a miracle in my present distracted condition how it came into my head the footman was presently summoned and mrs james delivered him his message which was to countermand the orders which she had given that very morning to make her up a new suit of brocade heaven knows says she now when i can wear brocade or whether ever i shall wear it and now having repeated her message with great exactness lest there should be any mistake she again lamented her wretched situation and then departed leaving the colonel in full expectation of hearing speedy news of the fatal issue of the battle but though the reader should entertain the same curiosity we must be excused from satisfying it till we have first accounted for an incident which we have related in this very chapter and which we think deserves some solution the critic i am convinced already is apprised that i mean the friendly behaviour of james to wood which from what we had before recorded seems so little to be expected it must be remembered that the anger which the former of these gentlemen had conceived against the latter rose entirely from the false account given by miss matthews of booth whom that lady had accused to colonel james of having as basely as wickedly traduced his character now of all the ministers of vengeance there are none with whom the devil deals so treacherously as with those whom he employs in executing the mischievous purpose of an angry mistress for no sooner is revenge executed on an offended lover than it is sure to be repented and all the anger which before raged against the beloved object returns with double fury on the head of his assassin miss matthews therefore no sooner heard that booth was killed for so was the report at first and by a colonel of the army than she immediately concluded it to be james she was extremely shocked with the news and her heart instantly began to relent all the reasons on which she had founded her love recurred in the strongest and liveliest colours to her mind and all the causes of her hatred sunk down and disappeared or if the least remembrance of anything which had disobliged her remained her heart became his zealous advocate and soon satisfied her that her own fates were more to be blamed than he and that without being a villain he could have acted no otherwise than he had done in this temper of mind she looked on herself as the murderer of an innocent man and what to her was much worse of the man she had loved and still did love with all the violence imaginable she looked on james as the tool with which he had done this murder and as it is usual for people who have rashly or inadvertently made any animate 
or inanimate thing the instrument of mischief to hate the innocent means by which the mischief was effected for this is a subtle method which the mind invents to excuse ourselves the last objects of whom we would willingly wreak our vengeance so miss matthews now hated and cursed james as the efficient cause of that act which she herself had contrived and laboured to carry into execution she sat down therefore in a furious agitation little short of madness and wrote the following letter i hope this will find you in the hands of justice for the murder of one of the best friends that ever man was blessed with in one sense indeed he may seem to have deserved his fate by choosing a fool for a friend for who but a fool would have to believe that the anger and rage of an injured woman suggested a story so improbable that i could scarce be taught in earnest when i mentioned it no then cruel wretch that poor booth loved you of all men breathing and was i believe in your commendation guilty of as much falsehood as i was in what i told you concerning him if this knowledge makes you miserable it is no more than you have made the unhappy f matthews End of chapter eight recorded by gabby cowan